Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month, taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees, we're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Welcome to episode eight of the Off Day Debrief here on the SB Nation NFL Show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation alongside Brandon Lee Doughton of Bleeding Green Nation. What is up, Brandon? Stats, I'm doing great because the listeners of this podcast, the Odd Squad, hashtag Odd Squad, if you will, are rising to the occasion and meeting the call that we put out there for the ratings and reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate that. We have Mike Richards is my captain. Uh, former Fires player, apparently, or former or big Fires fan, too. Uh, that's his username here in iTunes. He says he loves all the shows on SB Nation NFL show, and he also loves the controversy, and he power ranked the top five episodes. So not only – we have some, like, inception-level stuff here because I have the power rankings on this show. Uh, Mike Richards is my captain, is doing power rankings in the iTunes review. He's the oddcast as number one, notably over Monday Football Monday uh, at number two. So obviously correct there. have always said that. Also gives a shout out to Bleeding Green Nation in there. Uh, we have Eagles fan in D.C. A lot of Eagles fan support here, show, uh, showing love to the Yodcast. So we really appreciate uh, all those ratings and reviews. It keeps the show going. It keeps me energized. So I'm doing good stats. Absolutely. Eagles fan in D.C., by the way, thank you, because he said the Yodcast has the best intro music of any football podcast. Yes. I agree, and I appreciate you acknowledging that. It's the best. It's I always say stats. It's not always just about the best, though. It's it's that the podcast is the most important show. You can, you know, best is subjective. Most important is just true. Well, let's keep it rolling here because we've got plenty to get to. We're going to break down the Monday night game. I have a major, major issue with your power rankings. We'll do our survivor picks and we're going to get to the oddities of week seven as well. So it was Bears and Rams on Monday Night Football. And this was a big test, I think, for the Bears because I think generally people weren't believing they were as good as their record showed. And what we saw on Monday Night, Brandon, the Bears are who we thought they were. (laughs) I mean, there's no other way to say it. We had no confidence in the Bears, and they go out on Monday Night and lay an absolute egg. They get whooped 24 to 10 by the Rams. The defense scored more points than the offense in this game. It was a beatdown. Yeah, I mean, it was uglier, I felt like, really, than the score even showed. Um, this is the Nick Foles experience. You know, uh, for as much as I've been saying this year, like, you can't doubt Nick Foles. And part of that is because I've been burned so much in the past by doubting Nick Foles. So I've kind of reached the point with him where, like, I'm just going to wait till he struggles and then everyone else finally sees that he's bad. Uh, instead of me leading the charge on that, because I feel like when I do, it always works out poorly for me. And I feel like I'm being gaslit and like insane because Nick Foles goes off. Uh, But yeah, this is who Nick Foles is. Like, I think a lot of Eagles fans think like he's this magical solution that would be amazing as a long-term full-time starter, like for them in Philly or elsewhere in the NFL even. But we clearly have seen that is not the case. Uh, Nick Foles now has the fifth worst QBR in the NFL. I believe he's seventh to last in passer rating. We all know he can get hot. And uh, there are times, even in last night's game, where I'm thinking, like, you can't totally rule him out kind of making some miracle comeback here. But uh, it wasn't in the cards. And it's really just the case with this team where, like, Foles is not going to be the answer for them. He can, again, there's going to be some good moments, but he's not like the the fix-all, the the be-all, end-all and uh, it's just not enough. Like you, this defense, I think, uh, you know, they had some opportunities. They made some plays. You know, Khalil Mack uh, forces that fumble on Goff. It's unfortunate they don't recover there. That could have been a big play. Um, but just Foles isn't going to cut it like this. And, you know, I'm looking at their schedule coming up here. And I, I was looking at the rest of the year. I'm like, what does this team go? And I think, you know, they're only like an 8-8, eight 9-7 and eight, and seven kind of team. He stinks, BLG. Nick Foles stinks. When the Bears made the quarterback change, I don't think anybody had a problem with it, right? They were like, Trubisky is awful. You brought in Foles. He's got coaches around him that he's had success with. And I think people generally supported the change. But here's the problem. Nick Foles has been worse than Mitchell Trubisky. Unequivocally worse. Since Foles took over, the Bears are averaging 263 yards per game. That's the worst in the NFL. 
That's worse than the Jets, who had four yards of total offense in the second half this week against the Bills. Foles has been worse than Trubisky. They have fewer first downs per game with Nick Foles than they did with Trubisky. He has a worse passer rating than Trubisky, a worse QBR, a worse yards per attempt. They have the same number of touchdown passes, and Foles has twice as many picks as Mitchell Trubisky. He has been a complete disaster. The Bears have no quarterback and therefore no future. I don't care what their record is. They're not even making the playoffs. They're not even making the playoffs. Wow. That's that's, that's quite a take. Um, I, I don't think it's impossible. I think the thing with Foles, though, that you have to consider is he is going to get – there are going to be good games in there. Like, there's going to be a hot game. There's going to be a hot performance. Um, and that's why I think they shouldn't bench him because I think – and also just because I don't, you know, I don't think Mitch Trubisky is the answer. And at that point, if you're flipping quarterbacks, uh, I don't really know where that gets you. But yeah, this is the Nick Foles experience. This I'm not surprised. So he's, he's going to be bad. He's going to have his struggles. He left a lot of plays on the field that were there to be made. You know, there was this talk stats that uh, that this is a big talk coming out of the game. Brian Greasy's comment about how like, and it was so weird in the broadcast because they kind of just like totally glossed by that. It was like it was kind of like a throwaway line that Brian Greasy brings up. Like, yeah, Nick Foles doesn't always like the uh, the play calls that. Uh, Matt Nagy has in there because sometimes he feels like there's not even enough time to run them. Uh, and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> you can yeah. just do that in there. Uh, so, but, yeah, but like to, to pin this on the offensive play calling, like I'm just totally not there. You know, there were throws to be made down the field and Foles was just, was just missing guys. And the interception in the end zone is inexcusable. Like you can't not come away with points there. So I think like a lot of people are kind of almost going too easy on Foles in that regard if you're really pinning it all on the coaching staff. Not to say that Nagy is perfect and they've been totally amazing. But uh, yeah, I think Foles is still the biggest issue there. Yeah, the the comment that Foles made about, oh, sometimes Nagy calls these plays and he doesn't, you know, I don't have enough time to execute them. Like that's, I think that happens with every team, even in, in every job, right? Your boss always has unrealistic expectations of what you can get done, right? There's always a difference between the management and the people that are actually down in the trenches doing the job. And sometimes that's what happens. They, they're, the expectations are unrealistic. And you, what do you say to the people you work with, right? Like, this guy has no idea what actually is going on in this place. He has no idea what I'm dealing with every day. And I thought that's that's all Foles was saying. I didn't think it was super controversial. But, I mean, as long as he's the guy there and as long as their quarterbacks are Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky, it's not happening with Chicago. It's just not. They're not any good. The only reason they have a chance in any game is because that defense is good. But I just don't see it going forward for them. You want to talk about defense stats? I think we should give some love to the Rams defense, which only allowed three points in this game. Obviously, you know, the Bears scoring the touchdown on the Rams turnover, uh, Robert Woods fumbling. Uh, Brandon Staley, you know, what a great hire, or at least looking like it for this Rams team. I mean, they they move on from Wade Phillips, like, you know, kind of one of the best defensive coordinators ever. You know, and it's I, I think that that move at the time was kind of like, why? Like, why are you doing that? You know, this 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 is one of this is a guy who's established. Um, it's not like the Rams were terrible last year defensively. Um, so they, they make this big move and it looks worth it so far. I mean, you saw it on uh, on Monday night. It's not like uh, again, I think full struggling played a part in it. I don't think um, it, it wasn't like it was a total mastermind defensive shutdown. But I mean, we're seeing really good things from that defense. Obviously, you know, Aaron Donald gets all the attention, but I want to show some love to uh, Leonard Floyd, who showed up big against his former team. I mean, he had three quarterback hits, two sacks, two tackles for loss. Thought he looked really good. Um, really impressed with obviously a lot of players in that secondary. John Johnson is is a uh, just a, a great guy to have at the back end there. Jalen Ramsey making a big play to seal the game uh with the interception and thought he did well for the most part um so a lot of things to like on this rams defense and also stats i mean i'd be remiss yes to not show some love yes to johnny hecker yes the goat i mean that that 63 yard punt he had towards the end of the game like people people are gonna be like or some people might be like oh punter give me a break i mean no this guy is he's fun for a punter to watch, he's fun. That 63-yard punt, again, was awesome. I mean, it's like it booms all the way down the field. And then it has backspin on it, so it doesn't go into the end zone for a touchback. Uh, Hecker was great in that game, and he, and he was a big factor in them winning as well. A huge factor. And for anyone to downplay that, they're just wrong. I'm sorry. He had five punts down inside the 10-yard line. Here's the field position that the Bears had after a punt. The 7, the 10. The one, the six, and the five. 
And this just in, going all the way down the field on 80, 80 plus yard drives is really hard. And it absolutely impacted the game. It totally changes the offensive plays you can call because you're backed up there. You're worried about a safety. He got a game ball from Sean McVay and he totally deserved it. And by the way, Johnny Hacker's good on the fake punts too. They got, I like Johnny Hacker. He's probably the most fun punter in the whole league. There was a lot of talk about the watermelon kick. You know, they hold instead of, you know, going end over end. I'm I'm demonstrating it to stats here. Of course, you can't see on the podcast. It was a, you know, you hold it like a watermelon, you know, uh, and as you would, as you would kick a watermelon, you know, in that natural style. Um, yeah, so that was great to see. I meant to say in here, too, that the Rams are tied with Pittsburgh for allowing the third fewest yards per play. So, again, that defense looking pretty good. Um, I think it was interesting coming into this game because all we were talking about was how, oh, you know, the Rams, they've only beaten the NFC East. and still true. And they beat a Bears team that we just said isn't as good uh, as, as we think they are. I don't think that means the Rams are a bad team, though. I, I think they, they look like a good team. They still have yet to prove they're in that elite tier. But uh, overall, you know, a really good win uh, coming off the bye, I believe, here for the Rams. So uh, encouraging sign for them. Yeah, if you're if you don't have what I th- would say is like an elite quarterback or an elite play caller and you're going up against the Rams, you're going to be in trouble. That defense is good, like you said. They've got stars. They've got all pros at multiple levels, which always makes the defense good. I think we're going to find out more about them as the season goes along. You know, their their schedule does pick up here. I'm really interested to see them play Tua in his debut this week. Uh, but they still have the Seattle game, obviously. They're going to face Tom Brady, Kyler Murray. So we're going to find out more about the Rams. But until then, they're taking care of business. And that's that's what you can ask for if you're a Rams fan. So congratulations to them. Not a buy. Not a buy last week. They, they, they uh, lost to the 49ers. How could I forget that? How could I forget that? Yeah, I know. It was such a forgettable game for the Rams. Uh, that's why. All right. Why don't we do this? We'll let's talk a little Cleveland Browns because their game was one of the most fun games of the entire day. And we thought we're not just going to talk about it ourselves. Let's go to our Cleveland Browns community dogs by nature. So we'll talk to Andy McNamara about the Cleveland Browns. All right, BLG, we have to get to maybe the, one of the most fun games of the entire week. The whole week was incredible. We had three game winning touchdown passes this week in the final minute. And one of those came from Baker Mayfield in the Browns 37-34 win over the Cincinnati Bengals. And we are very happy to be joined by Andy McNamara of Dogs by Nature. Andy, thank you very much. Oh, guys, pleasure to be here, especially after a Browns win. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to getting, getting used to these victories, which is uh, few and far between the last few years. So this was a huge one coming on Sunday. Well, they're not few and far between this year. They seem to be in a very good spot. And I just want to start with Baker Mayfield because I don't think he's getting enough credit for what he did on Sunday. If another quarterback led five touchdown drives of 75 yards or more, ended with five touchdown passes, including the game winner, and was 22 of his last 23, where the only incompletion was a spike, they would be leading the world, the sports media world. But because it's Baker Mayfield and people don't like him, he's not getting (laughs) enough love for that, Andy. Oh, imagine Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Ben Roethlisberger, five touchdowns. Oh, falling over themselves. But yeah, because Baker's got some swag, right? Because they're the Browns and people love love to dump on him when they're bad. Doesn't get the love. Well, five touchdowns, that was a franchise quarterback type of comeback and type of victory. A minute six left. No timeouts. And I'll be honest, my confidence level wasn't that high considering we found out during the game, he was playing with a cracked rib, was 0 for 5 to start with an interception on his first pass for the second game in a row. Bake Show comes in, marches his team. That is it. And people, it's the Bengals. So what if it's the Bengals? You had an in-division, come from behind, win with no timeouts. That's a franchise thing. That's that's something they're going to be playing forever. That, that was arguably, and I've talked to my contacts in Cleveland, you know, covering the team 20, 30 years, they said that was the best battle of Ohio that they can remember going back to the old Browns. Yeah, definitely awesome to see. Also, you know, praising Baker here, who looked great, uh, did it without Odo Beckham Jr., you know, getting hurt in this game, suffering a torn ACL out for the year. Andy, I wanted to ask you about the short-term and long-term impact of that injury. I thought it was an interesting comment from our enemy show here on the SB Nation NFL show feed, the Monday Football Monday podcast, uh, but an interesting point made by uh, our host there, Pete Sweeney. He mentioned that maybe the Browns, 
could actually be better off just because of how uh, maybe they're not force feeding it to him. I want to get your thoughts on that. And then again, kind of just like the short term uh, impact of this injury, how do the Browns move forward with this? And then maybe in the long term too, in terms of where OBJ still fits here in Cleveland. Yeah. And first of all, like it's, it's so easy for us in the media, of course, to like just treat the players as commodities. That's a terrible injury. You feel for the guy and his teammates, locker room guy, energy guy, right? Despite the production, loved in that locker room. So that sucks for OBJ. It really does. Now, what we look at, though, from a pure football perspective, when was Baker Mayfield at his best? This is rookie year. Now, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Teams haven't seen him before. You know, you have to get used to the game, whatever. But during that year, Baker Mayfield threw touchdowns to 10 different receivers, spread the ball around. Odell Beckham Jr. comes in, and it seems ridiculous to say you have a superstar talent like that, and that's a bad thing. In this type of offense, for this type of quarterback, at this point in his career, yes, it is. And so I think short-term for this year that the Browns, Baker Mayfield, they actually do better, especially until Nick Chubb comes back. Because what always has uh, just amazed me is Rashard Higgins, Hollywood Higgins, and Baker had chemistry going back to the rookie season. Last year, fell out of favor with Freddie Kitchens for whatever reason. And he was seldom used this year because of got to get Odell his, his looks. And that was always an ongoing, almost exhausting process. Well, now there's no pressure to do that. He can tag anybody he wants. And Hollywood Higgins gets open some way, somehow, all the time. It just seems like that's what he does. And so now without Odell in the picture, you got Jarvis, you elevate Higgins, you can pop in Donovan Peoples-Jones. Hello. Like, that was unbelievable. For a rookie, first three catches in the game, catches the game-winning touchdown. That guy looks like a stud and a steal where they got him in the draft. And then you mix in everybody else with the tight ends, which that Kevin Stefanski offense is supposed to be about that we haven't really seen too much this year, right? It's been a lot of the run, but not a lot of the tight end mixed in. Three touchdown passes to the TEs. That's really good. So I think we're what we should see is a more varied and broader offense from the Browns, where especially until Nick Chubb comes back, they'll still be working the run, obviously. Kareem Hunt looked great again, but also better ball distribution. And that's ultimately going to keep defenses on their toes more. Can I push back there a little bit? Because I feel like we say that a lot when a, when a big star wide receiver goes down. Oh, well, now they don't have to force feed on the ball. But all the guys you talked about, Higgins, Landry, everybody, they're not as good as Odell Beckham Jr. Like, they're just not as good. And if they get good, then are they going to have to force the ball to Higgins and those guys? Like, I don't understand that argument that they'll be better off without Odell. I mean, he gets open more than Higgins does, right? You would assume. I'm going to push back on that a little yeah. bit. No, no, it, it's a fair point because of talent alone, right? You look at the talent of Odell Beckham Jr. It's undeniable. He's a superstar. He's, he's, he's an unbelievable talent. But for different offenses, like if you put Odell Beckham Jr. on the Kansas City Chiefs, Seattle Seahawks, a real throw first type of, of team and offense, I think he would excel. I don't think he's the best fit in this offense, which by its design, which goes back to the old Mike Shanahan, Denver Broncos offense and evolution through Kevin Stefanski, he learned through Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan. It's run first, it's use the tight end, and it's to use the wide receivers. So in this offense, it just didn't seem to blend consistently. Now, we saw a couple times where it really did, and it worked. That Dallas game, my goodness. Guy showcased himself. But in this offense, and with Baker Mayfield, going back to where he had the most success in his rookie year, he had the most success distributing the ball to multiple receivers and going from there. Andy, I want to take a big picture outlook here on the Browns. They're 5-2 and two as we stand here heading into week eight. Uh, they would be the sixth seed in the AFC playoff picture if the season were to end today. Uh, it's not, spoiler alert. Um, but, you know, I'm looking here. The Browns have a 62.4% chance to make the playoffs for, I don't know if you heard about this, but the first time since 2002. Uh, what is your confidence level in these Browns actually finally, for real, making the postseason? Well, it'll be nice when the Browns can make the playoffs for a couple of years and we can get back away from these stats. The first time since 1994 and Bill Belichick was uh, 10 years old. And it, Okay, I know, I know. They've been bad for a long time. I get it, okay? I know the quarterback. I've been to Cleveland every year since 2007. See the quarterback jersey list too, okay? That's 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 all great. This year, the path is definitely there for make to, for them to make the playoffs for real, especially if you get Nick Chubb back 
if that knee's fully healed, comes back fresh legs with Kareem Hunt. Like him and Hunt as a one-two combo, that's unbelievable. This is the best tandem in football. So if you can get that going, plus this opportunity without Nick Chubb has forced Mayfield and, and Coach Stefanski to kind of see what works in the passing game when it comes to the receivers. And I really liked how they worked in the tight end. So by the time Chubb comes back and this team starts finding its identity, again, guys, we have to remember, first-year head coach, pandemic, no real training camp. This is all learning and evolving as we go. So the Browns' schedule outside of the Pittsburgh and Ravens game that still remain, the second one, the second meeting of those two, have a pretty easy on-paper schedule. So I think the, the path is definitely there, very realistic to make the playoffs. At this point, with five wins, if they don't, you'd have to consider it a disappointment. Well, if they're going to make the playoffs, to me, Andy, their defense has to be better. They're allowing more than 30 points a game, fourth most in the entire league. You can't put that much stress on Baker in the offense. I thought this defense was going to be way better than it has been so far this year. What's going on? The defense is weird because... They can make impactful plays in those takeaways, in those sacks, et cetera, where if the offense can deliver and score a touchdown off of it, you're in good shape. But at the same point, like you said, they're giving up a ton of points. And it's really just because you're thin at linebacker. You got Miles Garrett as the real playmaker. You don't really have, like, Vernon's not doing much on the other side. So it's really a case of you got to, I think for the Browns, you're not going to turn into this year a dominant defense especially in the secondary. You, you're just not. So you have to have that bend, don't break mentality, which to a point they have done. And it's when those turnovers happen, when those sacks occur. So it's a very strange look because you look at those numbers and like, man, they've given up what the third most passing yards in the NFL, but they lead in takeaways. So if the Browns continue to take advantage of scoring touchdowns on those takeaways, they're going to be serviceable. It just obviously limits their ultimate upside about how deep they could go in the playoffs if they get there. Well, Andy, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. If unless stats is anything more, I, I thought that was great. Great look at the Browns. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, anytime. Thanks again to Andy McNamara of Dogs by Nature. I have to say, maybe my favorite podcast guest so far, BLG. Wow, I mean, just really throwing shade on uh, everyone else there. But I mean, that's fine because what it was like Pete and. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I can remember off the top of my head. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as a direct shot against Pete, and that's totally fine. All right, so we still got power rankings and survivor picks to do. So let's take a break here, and then we'll get into your power rankings because I have a major issue with you that we will get to coming up. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously, hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are back here on the Off Day Debrief. It is episode eight, and we are into the power rankings, BLG, and I have beef. First, let me run through your top 10, and then I'll get to my biggest problem. You have the Steelers up at number one, which I agree with. Congratulations. Then the Chiefs at two, Seahawks three, Titans four, Buccaneers at five, Packers at six, Ravens down to seven, Saints at eight. Nine, you have the Rams, and 10, the Arizona Cardinals. Now, last week when we talked about the power rankings, I said, I'm surprised you have the Seahawks at number one. And what did you say to me? Do you remember? It doesn't matter because Russell Wilson. Well, that, and you said, why would I move them down? The Seahawks had a bye. And yet, I look at the power rankings this week, and the Baltimore Ravens are at number seven, down three spots, and they're on a bye. Explain yourself. Do the Baltimore Ravens have Russell Wilson? They have the reigning MVP. 
who doesn't look as good this year? I look. I I know that the I admit it in here in my rankings that uh, on bleedinggreennation.com, by the way, for the full list uh, that dropping the Ravens three spots on the bye was harsh. But then again, you know, I look at how you know, like they just they haven't fully passed the eye test this year, uh, and then and the flow around them things just kind of get weird. You know, when when you're on the bye there, and I think a lot of these other teams that I moved up ahead of them deserve it, uh, or at least you know or like teams that stayed still like the Packers at six. Was I going to move them down? No. Um, I wanted to give credit to the Titans because I thought, you know, almost taking Pittsburgh to overtime is worthy of a move up. Uh, the Seahawks, obviously, you know, uh, they lose here, um, but I'm, I'm not too worried about them. So I'm going to defend it. I think it's totally fine for me to, to do what I did. I think it makes no sense. I don't like inconsistency week to week. You couldn't move the Seahawks down because they were on a bye, but the Ravens are on a bye. You move them down three spots. And we're going to find out about the Ravens, BLG, because, and this ties in with your first team, the Steelers at number one. It's Ravens-Steelers this week. And holy crap, is that game going to be awesome. Yeah, and that's honestly part of why I moved Baltimore down because I think they're going to lose this game. Like, I'm kind of doing a little bit of projecting here. Yeah, it's a preemptive strike. It is, but, like, look, that's that's how you have to do it sometimes in the power rankings business, as they say. Um, I Yeah, it's going to be an awesome game. I mean, the Steelers, we've been saying it all along on the podcast. So if you've been listening to the show, you know that, oh, it's not just – because I, I don't want to hear this garbage. I, I keep I said it last week. I'll say it again. I don't want to hear this garbage that, oh, the Steelers haven't played anyone. What are you talking about? It doesn't matter. They're really good. They have the best defense in the NFL, arguably. Um, the offense has no shortage of weapons for Ben Roethlisberger to work with. They just beat a very good Titans team. I know, you know, again – uh, I, I, t- I toyed with not putting them at number one because it did come down to the wire. You know, uh, Goskowski makes that kick. They're in overtime all of a sudden. Maybe they blow a big lead. But, like, the Titans are a really good team. So it was never going to be an easy win. Like, I'm not going to ding the Steelers for that. I think uh, they're very legit. And, yeah, I feel pretty confident that they're going to beat this Baltimore team and maintain that top status. Yeah, you and I were talking during the Steeler game about how impressive they looked. And, like, they – don't just beat you. They make you look bad. And then all of a sudden, Ben Roethlisberger starts throwing interceptions and the Titans come roaring back. But I was blown away by the Steelers. I've been saying it all year that they are a team to be reckoned with in the AFC. I I would give them a shot against anybody, Chiefs, Ravens, whoever you want to throw in front of them. I love Pittsburgh. And to me, they continue to prove it week after week. I wonder, too, if Roethlisberger will kind of get a little bit better as the season goes along. Not something you would usually associate with an older quarterback, but just, you know, being further removed from that injury, um, getting more time to work with these guys, you know, after having that layoff last year. Uh, Maybe that's not true, but in my head, I wonder about that. I wonder if, like, that could be a factor. If this thing starts to even, like, they haven't reached their full form yet. I don't think this is a team that, like, is peaking early in the year. You know, like, some of these fraud teams that kind of have been, like the Bills and the Bears. And, uh, you know, these teams with better records than we think they actually are. I think the Steelers have earned every bit of that 6-0. and And, again, uh, you look at history for them, it's a very good sign. I think, what, it's like Super Bowl? They talked about it on Monday Football Monday last time they, they started this strong. And, again, 7-0 right in the table here. Absolutely. And I agree with you. We don't. I don't think we put enough stock into players sort of evolving as the season goes along. And you're right. Ben, is, he missed all of last season. Like, he's coming back. And he's getting more experience. He's rounding into form. To me, there were a couple of plays last week where he's standing in the pocket looking like the old Big Ben. Dudes are bouncing off of him. Doesn't matter. And I think that the whole offense is going to evolve because I think they're going to incorporate Chase Claypool more and more as the year goes along. And he's another just dynamic piece that they have. So I think the Steelers are going to get better and better. No question. I feel like you want to rip me here for the Seahawks losing. Because you've been saying, and, and you got to, you had to get it in on, on Twitter after the game. You're like, see, I told you, Brandon, that uh, you know if if Russ isn't perfect, you know the Seahawks they're going to lose. Well, stats. I'm here to say that Russell Wilson has by far his worst game of the, the season. You know, three interceptions, and the Seahawks still only lost by three in overtime. So even when Russell Wilson has his worst game, it's still a pretty decent outcome for the Seahawks. Uh, you know, it's a shame. He can't get any help from his defense. I agree with that much. Uh, obviously, the Benson Mayoa penalty was really oh, crushing. Really, just no need for it. Like you don't need to like go all out to block that field goal. You're up ten. Like just don't take that. 
I mean, the Cardinals get a field goal, field goal there. I mean, that's a whole that could be a whole different situation. There's no guarantee they get to overtime at that point. You can't make that penalty. Uh, obviously, every NFL outlet, whatever, has to acknowledge the DK Metcalf uh, chase down obligatory. So I just did. Um, got it in there. Fit it. He's awesome. Amazing. Uh, yeah. So I'm not worried about the Seahawks at all. You know, they lose this game. It's close. It's a division rival. The Cardinals have given them trouble in the past. Usually, I believe it's like Arizona going up to Seattle for some reason, being yeah. able to win there as much as the other way around. But still, it's a team, you know, it's a division. Uh, Kyler Murray is looking a lot better with his arm after not so much on Monday Night Football last week. Um, so I just kind of think you have to tip your hat to the Cardinals there. I don't think this is a sign that the Seahawks are totally doomed or something all of a sudden. This is unfair to Russell Wilson. Like, I'm in the position where I'm defending Russell Wilson to Seahawks fans. That's where I was on Twitter on Sunday night. Like, Seahawks fans are saying, oh, this I blame the offense for this loss. I'm like, you do? You scored 34 points. How are you blaming the offense? The defense can't stop anybody your best pass rusher is jamal adams and he's a safety and he's been hurt for most of the year it's unfair to russell wilson what he has to put up with if he is not great they're gonna lose and you say kyler murray looks better with his arm of course he does he was facing that trash bag defense the seahawks have they have zero pass rush he had all day to do whatever he wanted back there i mean i I've been saying it the whole time about the Seahawks. I'm going to continue to say it because it's not fair that Russ has to be the MVP every week for them to win. Some of the throws he made, even for like, you know, being a three interception worst game of his year, like some of the throws he made are still incredible. It's like to lock in. It's that's just why I can't bet against him. And I can't bet against this team by extension. He's just so good. Um, I, you know, the Titans kind of mentioned earlier stats. Wait, 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 wait. before you do that, I want to, I, I got to, Cliff Kingsbury beef I want to get to. Let's hear it. He did everything he could do to lose this game. I mean, it was hideous by Cliff Kingsbury situationally. First of all, there's 17 seconds left in the game. The Cardinals have no timeouts, and he runs the ball. He runs the ball, and the only reason that they had two seconds left when they spiked the ball after that play is because he got bailed out because Larry Fitzgerald grabs the ball from Kenyon Drake and runs it to the middle of the field to the official so that it can be spotted. Other than that, the Cardinals, they they lose the game. That was the worst play call I've ever seen in a late-game situation by Cliff Kingsbury. And then he settles for a 41-yard field goal to try and win the game because Kyler Murray got hit for a loss when he's trying to run the ball to get a little bit closer. And he totally turtles up. He clenches up and he just tries to kick the field goal on second down and Zane misses the field goal. Like he did everything he could to lose that game and he got bailed out. Uh, He iced his own kicker. Yeah. Not great to do that. Um, Also almost didn't call that timeout on the sideline. You know, they're showing him on the sideline. He's just like talking to, I guess, Kyler, whoever was there and assistant comes over. He's like, Hey coach, you got to call the timeout. And he's like, Oh, so he's like running. Yeah. Not the, uh, not the best showing there from cliff, but overall, you know, a a great, huge, big win for that Cardinals team. Um, I think they're going to be a feisty wild card team, assuming they don't find a way to win the NFC West outright, which I don't think they will, but uh, yeah. Really encouraging win for them. Really big win. Uh, it, was, it was arguably the game of the year. Like really, really nice. It's always weird, you know, when the Seahawks are involved, and, and especially on Sunday Night Football. It was fun. I really enjoyed that one. Um, I, I wanted to get the Titans stats just real quick, just because I mentioned them earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved them up a spot despite their loss because, you know, they missed that 45-yard field goal. They almost took Pittsburgh to overtime. And I don't want to hear anyone saying, like, this loss suggests, like, the Titans are fraudulent. Like, no, that's not what this is about. I mean, they just, they, they played a team that's better than them. That's very, like, arguably the best team in the NFL. So I don't think that's an indictment of them. Uh, are you with me on that one? I can't. Um, they're good. They grind it out. They're such a reflection of Mike Vrabel. Like, Mike Vrabel is just a tough guy. He's never going to give up. He always is going to make you continue to have to make smart decisions. And when the Steelers started making bad decisions and turning the ball over, Tennessee roared straight back into it. Like, I don't know when the point is where Tannehill and Tennessee is going to be accepted as a really good team, but like how many good performances do they have to have before we start to believe it? Because I think I'm converted now. Like, I think this is it. This is not a fluke thing anymore. They did it last year. They're doing it this year. They're going to be good week after week after week. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I have at number five, moved them up from eight. They're they're hitting their stride. Uh, you know, I've been a, a Tampa Bay skeptic. I still have some of that, like, 
this is the Brooklyn Nets in it, like I still feel that to some extent. But look, I mean, uh, they're number one in DVOA. They're number one in point differential. Tom Brady hasn't thrown a pick since week four. Uh, I, I think I regret not giving Todd Bowles enough credit last week. Like I didn't specifically mention him meant to do that because that defense is really good. And he's an, uh, one heck of a defensive coordinator. You know, hasn't worked out as a head coach, but his defenses are good. Um, so the Bucks, they're hitting their stride. They're adding Antonio Brown. We'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, what do, what do you have on the Bucks stats? You could make the argument right now that Tampa Bay is the best team in the NFC. I mean, they are from where they were at the beginning of the year to where they are now. They've been getting better and better and better every week. You see Brady and Gronk seem to have that chemistry back that they had when they were in New England. I mean, I know Gronk is not the same guy that he was, but they're using him the right way, especially in the red zone. I think Tampa Bay is they're they're getting comfortable now. I don't know what the Antonio Brown, you know, what he adds to that mix. I don't know how that's going to work out, but I do know that Bruce Arians is full of crap when he says that Tom Brady had nothing to do with the acquisition because that's just flat out insanity. But right now, everything's good in Tampa Bay. I have them as the favorites in the NFC South. I think they're in the driver's seat in that division. And I, like I said, I think you can make the argument that they're the best, com- most complete team in the NFC. Yeah, especially in the South. I mean, the Saints only have the 13th best point differential here, despite winning three in a row. Like, they're not elite anymore. They're good. They're not a bad team. They're good. The Saints are good, but they're not elite. And I think the Bucks, obviously, by all indications, are replacing that in that spot. So, uh, big win for them. Uh, I wanted to touch on your 49er stats because I've moved them all around the past couple of weeks. Yep. I think I had them in the 20 low 20s or something because like they just had lost to the Eagles and then they get blown out in Miami. And then they bounce back with two wins, quality victories too. You know, you beat the Rams and then you beat the Patriots who obviously aren't playing good or well right now. But I mean, you give Bill Belichick his worst home loss ever. That's pretty impressive. They didn't just beat the Rams and the Patriots. They smashed the Rams and the Patriots. The Patriots had 241 total yards in the entire game. That's less yards than the Bears had last night against the Rams. Like the 49ers. 2019 offensive line has shown up. I don't know where the hell they were for the first part of the season, but they're here now. And when they block like that, I don't care if it's Raheem Mostert running the ball or Jeff Wilson, as we saw this week, uh, coming up against Seattle, it's going to be Jamichael Hasty because apparently every 49ers running back has to get injured. But when they block like that, they can beat anybody because Kyle Shanahan is going to call some crazy ass runs. They're all going to work somehow. And Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to have to shoulder the load. And the 49ers, everything is there for the 49ers. I wouldn't rule them out of the NFC West. I wouldn't rule them out of the playoff chase. They have stormed back. And if they can keep this going, they're as good as anybody. Uh, Conceivably could still finish last in the division. But I mean. Okay. Are you not letting that go? Are you just trying to give me an aneurysm? Well, I'm just saying the NFC West is so good that it's actually, you know, not like a a huge indictment. Like it's just, it's a really good division. Um, I wanted to get to two of it though, because it's two of time. In Miami stats, uh, we missed that on our last record. Like they just what they made that switch like right after we stopped recording. Uh, so we just... literally, I was editing the episode and I had to take out some of what we said about the Dolphins because it no longer applies. I, well, I think I want to stick with what I said and feel like you know I think this team this is an inflection point for them. Like this is I think they go one of two ways here. It's like either Tua's legit and they like oh like the Dolphins are like they could win the AFC East now. Like this could be like, you know, a, a big bump for them, or it could be like, well, uh, Tua not quite ready. Rookie struggles here. You know, maybe they shouldn't have benched Fitzpatrick. I think it's a really interesting spot for them. And that's why I kind of like having them at number 16, like just right in the middle of the pack. Cause it's like, they're going to either go up or down from here. And I'm really interested to see which direction that is. What about, where, what, how are you feeling about Tua? How are you feeling about this team's outlook? Cause you didn't feel as good about them with Fitz. Does Tua change the equation for you? They have to make this move. The the way it works in the NFL now is you draft a quarterback, and if he's really good, you have a five-year window to build your team around him to make a run at the Super Bowl. That's basically what history has shown with this collective bargaining agreement since the rookie wage scale. The Dolphins had to make this move. There's no long-term future with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Put Put Tua in. See what he's got around him. See how he does. And if he flashes like we've seen Joe Burrow flash and like we've seen Justin Herbert, who, my God, Justin Herbert, then it's put foot on the gas if you're Miami and let's go. Let's, you know, spend big on free agents. 
draft well, and, and let's go here. So they had to make this move. I love it. Let Tua play for the rest of the year, no matter what happens. I don't care, you know, if he's terrible at first. Like, just let him let him go, see what you got, and then you move on from there. It's the best move for the long-term interest of the Miami Dolphins, and I'm, I love that they did it. I agree with that. I, I just think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they can actually make a run of this division. You know, the Bills don't look good against the Jets. Uh, they don't even score a touchdown against the Jets. I feel good to come up a turn with a term for that, by the way, stats or at you odd cat or odd squad hashtag odd squad listeners. Like, what is a good term when you win a game in the NFL without scoring a touchdown? Like, there, there has to be some kind of term for that. We need to come up with something for that. Well, well we can think on it uh, if you don't have anything off the top of your head. But I think that should be a thing because like, that's that's it's a weird occasion to to win a game without scoring a touchdown. Um, elsewhere in these rankings here. I guess I'll get to the Philadelphia Eagles, who I moved up one spot. They're at 21 now. Uh, a lot of people in the Bleeding Green Nation comments are like, this is too high. You have the Eagles way too high. So I can't win because I'm either way too negative about the Eagles or I don't even think I'm being super positive here. Uh, you know, the Eagles, things could have gone a lot worse for them. We could we could be talking about them in a way worse light here. I mean, they're down 11 and by with like six minutes to go to the Giants uh, in the fourth quarter. On Thursday night, Carson Wentz leads a great first drive, but then kind of looks just uneven until the very end where, you know, comes up really big in the clutch. He's been coming up big in the in the fourth quarter these past couple of weeks. It seems like for whatever reason, uh, Doug Peterson just has this offense going uh, tempo. Uh, it's not like they're, they're, they're just kind of almost, you know, it's, it's everything is slowing down for Carson Wentz in these moments. Uh, it's not, it's not overthinking things. He's just executing and, uh, I think very much so. Not that this is saying much. The Eagles have the best chance to win this awful NFC East. Oh, yeah. they're To me, they're the favorite. Look, they've got the best quarterback in the division by a mile. Doug Peterson is one of my favorite head coaches in the whole league. I mean, he gets it. He gets that it's all about Wentz for him. He's only going to go as far as Wentz will carry them. And he's making calling plays and making decisions that put Wentz in the best opportunity to be successful. And he's doing it with nobody. Since week three, Carson Wentz has thrown eight touchdown passes and all eight have gone to former practice squad players. Like that is incredible and he's getting it done. And, and you're probably going to have a lot of games like we saw where it's going to come down late and Wentz is going to have to make some magic, you know, late in the fourth quarter, but he can do it. And remarkably, he can do it with Greg Ward, Travis Fulgham, Boston Scott. I mean, who, who are these guys? Uh, stats, you better get to know Travis Fulgham because he is only like 143 yards away or so from being from reaching 500 yards, which is significant because Carson Wentz did not have a wide receiver who had 500 yards last year. And more than that, uh, Travis Fulgham, he's started four games for the Eagles so far. His 16-game pace is like is on track to be the best season for an Eagles receiver, uh, receiver ever in terms of receiving yards. So, uh, you know, Four games. We'll see. Uh, but, you know, early signs are encouraging there. So that's very good to see. It would be a big deal if the Eagles could actually have a good wide receiver. Um, what else here on, on the power ranking stands out to you, Stats? Well, we could go on and on about the power rankings all day. But let's get to our survivor picks because we're getting a little long in the in the podcast here. There's so much stuff to talk about. It's hard to just break it off like that. But, I mean, talk about good signs. You mentioned it earlier. We're five and two in the survivor picks this year. We have been on fire since early in the season. Last week, you had the the Chargers, excuse me, over the Jags. Obviously, that was a win. Justin Herbert is incredible. And I was super bold, so I deserve more credit than you. I took the Lions over the Falcons. And thank you very much, Todd Gurley, for scoring a touchdown when you had no business scoring a touchdown that allowed the Lions to roar all the way back. So we are both five and two. Congratulations, us. Big ups to us for actually know what we're talking about for once. <laughs> so do you have your pick for this week? I do stats and I'm going to take the Bucks, who I talked about earlier in the show, uh, playing the New York football giants on Monday night football. Jeez, way to go out on a limb. Well, look, I mean, Daniel Jones, just perpetual turnover machine. And I know that's rich for me saying that about a quarterback when I you know, cover Carson Wentz. But uh, the Giants, they're staring one and seven in the face here. I know it's not 
the most risky pick, but uh, I'm going with the smart pick, though. I, I want to stay alive here. And again, I usually try to take a team that we didn't talk about, but I have to go with the Bucks here. And, and I worked the Giants into it. Um, Giants stink. They're always going to be bad. It feels like that, at least to me anyway. Um, they need a new quarterback to replace the turnover machine they have under center. And it's just, it's easy for me. I'm taking Daniel Jones against this Bucks defense. I mean, he might throw or he might combine for like six turnovers in one game. Yeah, it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of short fields for Tom Brady. Not that he needs them, but I agree. I think it's gonna be a massacre there for sure. So I'm assuming that you will move to six and two again in the power and the uh, survivor picks. But good for you. I'm gonna live dangerously. I'm gonna continue to live dangerously. I'm gonna go Patriots over the Bills. Mm. And I know the Patriots looked hideous this week against the 49ers. Their offense looked looked just flat out bad. Cam Newton looked lost, but. The 49ers matched up very well with the Patriots. The Patriots don't have a ton of team speed. The 49ers have tons of team speed. That's their biggest strength, basically. So I think they're not as bad as they looked. And the biggest weakness for the Patriots is they can't stop the run. Well, the Bills can't run the ball. So they're not, you know, that's good if you're if you're picking the Patriots in this game. Josh Allen has totally cooled off from his incredible start. I think that the more practice time the Patriots get, which they had a major disruption because of COVID, they're going to get better and better. I still will take Bill Belichick over Josh Allen. I'm sorry. I just will. And I think it's a good matchup for the Patriots this week. So I'll go New England over Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's unthinkable just the way that Josh Allen is continuing to trend poorly. I mean, again, they don't score a touchdown against the Jets. Uh, the Jets led, I think, for over half of that game, which is <laughs> really a bad sign for Buffalo. And yeah, I mean, the Patriots, you know, for as bad as they are right now, and I think Cam Newton has been really struggling, obviously got benched uh, on Sunday. Uh I really think, you know, it's just you can't totally, you know, rule out the Pats bouncing back from the worst loss of the Belichick era. I mean, you're going to put stock into him. Um, although, you know, the defense is allowing the fifth most yards per play in the league. So that's tough to see. Maybe Josh Allen gets the bounce back here instead. Uh, it's a it's a fair pick by you, I think. It's a, it is a risky pick, though. Yes, I am living dangerously, I will admit. But uh, I don't I just I feel good about it. I feel like the swings in the NFL, you lose a game, you're the worst team ever. You win a game, you're the best team ever. As we've seen, it's very often not the case. It's somewhere in the middle. Before we go, let's get to the oddities because we had some pretty good ones this week. Uh, Sunday Night Football. This was awesome camera work. They zoom in on Kyler Murray's face and he's taking the snap. He looks over and he sees DeAndre Hopkins in single coverage and you literally can see a huge smile cross his face as he chucks a deep bomb touchdown pass to DeAndre Hopkins. Well, like you said, Stats, you know, when you're you're playing that Seahawks defense, you're going to be smiling a lot. Yeah, they're trash. And uh, it's got to matter at some point. We saw it matter this week, but I don't want to keep harping on that. And then the last one is just maybe my favorite oddity of the entire season because it just encapsulates what it's like to be a Cowboys fan right now. The conference call with defensive coordinator Mike Nolan who, speaking of bad defenses, his unit looks like one of the worst in the league. The conference call with Mike Nolan was put on hold because he had Tabasco sauce on his finger and it got in his eye. <laughs> I don't know how... I, I think people didn't make a big enough deal that the Cowboys hired Mike Nolan to be their defensive coordinator. Like, what year is it? Like, really? That's the best you can do in 2020? Uh, sure enough, again, the Cowboys still leading the NFL in points allowed per game. Total dumpster fire stats. If the Eagles can't beat this Cowboys team, like, I see that tweet last night on Monday night, and I'm like, if the Eagles lose to this team, I mean, just, like, <laughs> just fold just fold the season. Like, don't even play anymore. Like, it's pathetic. Like, you, you should be able to beat this team. Not only should you be able to beat this team, you should be able to blow out this team. First of all, did Mike Nolan also have Tabasco sauce in his eye for the rest of the season previously? Because <laughs> that defense is just getting worked by everybody. And he should switch because Frank's Red Hot is a thousand times better than Tabasco sauce. So step up your hot sauce game, Nolan. Man, I really want to have a, a hot sauce take here. I don't know if I really a Red Hot over a Tabasco. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's not even close. Mm. Give me your hot sauce hot take. I'm not like the, I don't think I'm the biggest Tabasco guy. I guess I'm not going to stand for that as my number one, but I don't know if I agree with the red hot over that. Um, I'm trying to think like what my favorite would be. 
but I don't have it at the top of my head. I, I didn't come prepared for the for the hot sauce talk. I can't take uh, the heat. So, you know? Yeah, I, I can't take the heat, so I got to get out of the street. <laughs> I, I just want you to prepare for these shows. That's all I ask. Nah, seems a lot to ask. Yeah, and by the way, let me just say, I have another bone to pick with you because you were supposed to join me and Ed uh, Valentine on the look ahead last week. Really bad. And we sat there, and I'm waiting for BLG to jump into the chat, and it never happened. And I don't know if you're just mad at me because I was doing a show with somebody else, or I don't know what the issue was, but you were a ghost. I look, you just, I, I was very surprised you guys didn't rip me on the look ahead. Uh, I would have deserved <laughs> that. I deserve this fully. I, you know, it's on me. I got to do a better job. I will promise. I think we should make it up week 10. Eagles play the Giants again. Ed and I can kind of talk about that then. Uh, so hopefully redeem myself down the road if you'll be so generous to have me on the look ahead at that point but uh let's be real the oddcast is the only podcast that matters on the SB nation nfl show anyway and maybe that's why i didn't show up did you have tabasco sauce in your eye i did not so i can at least i have that going for me that's true the glasses help with that right i mean yes. it's kind of like a shield there i mean that is just first of all how did it go from his finger to his eye i mean what what is that process oh you didn't see the video no so so I saw the video of the call and he was like, he was touching his eye during the call, but like, what, what are you even doing? Like, what are you doing? Where was he eating on the yeah, call? Like, he wasn't, but I guess he must've like done right before like hopping on. But, uh, you know, you ever hear of, like a napkin, you know, like, what are you doing? Like you'd have like, like wet to like, just, like extra Tabasco on your hands. Right. Disaster. Disaster. Like everything the Cowboys have seemingly touched this season. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Off Day Debrief, or the Oddcast, as we like to say. Please keep your reviews coming on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. We love them. As you hear, we love. We will shout you out on the show. We appreciate it. So please keep those coming. Subscribe, rate, review. Tell everyone you know how great this show is, because it is pretty great, especially the other hosts on the uh, SB Nation NFL show. And uh, enjoy the games this week, and we'll talk to you next week. Do it. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.